So, um, I'm excited to be back up here. It's been a few weeks since I was able to preach and really do it. I'm thankful for Jim for filling in, and last week we tag-teamed. Um, and we were kind of worried about last week because it was going to have two preachers, and we were going to try and keep it short. Um, and we were afraid it wasn't going to. And then Garrett came up to me, Garrett Thompson, came up to me after sermon. <laughs> last week he goes, I love that two preachers preached. It was the best sermon. You should do it all the time. I said, really? He goes, yeah, it was super short. <laughs> so maybe that's why I missed misplaced your name there. Okay. So, uh, but I'm excited to actually be up here again. Um, this year we're focusing on the life of Jesus, looking at everything we can so we can build our life on him, build our life of faith on him. We started in the Old Testament, looking at how Jesus is in the Old Testament. He was not just present, but he was moving through there. Then we moved into the New Testament. And for the rest of the year, we're going to primarily just be in the Gospels. Gospel just means teaching or revelation. So the, the Gospel of Matthew is Matthew's teachings about Jesus. The Gospel of John is the revelation of John about Jesus. Uh, so far, the Gospels have shown us that the Son of God came down to the earth to be born as a human. He had a normal childhood, except he had never sinned. Last time I was up here, I spoke, um, last time I spoke independently without Jim's help. I, I uh, spoke about the baptism of Jesus. Uh, the event of Jesus' baptism is recorded in all four Gospels showing its importance. He was baptized to identify himself with us so that when we are baptized, we identify with him. To give us the example we must follow to fulfill all righteousness. Right after Jesus' baptism, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted. The word tempt has two different meanings. To incite or entice to evil. Apparently the slides aren't working again, just so you know. So that's your first thing. So entice or incite or entice to evil. If you wanted to summarize that, it'd be seduce. To seduce you to evil. So basically, I was born with a fallen nature that came directly from Adam. Because of that, I will yield to sin. That's not true of Jesus. He didn't have that fallen nature uh, because his father was not a man. John 14, it says this. Jesus said, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. But I will do the Father, what the Father, meaning God, requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's get going. So he's trying to show that he is of his Father, Father God. He isn't part of this fallen nature. There's nothing in Jesus that Satan could take advantage of to tempt him, to use against him. Hebrews 7.26 says, He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy, blameless, and unstained by sin. He has, um, he has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. This means the temptation of Jesus had to be different than what would make us fall and fail. It means it needed to be much greater. 
because Satan didn't have the upper hand like he does with us. So that's the first definition. Second definition of tempt is test. Now, the schooling, you're going through a lot of testing right at the end, right? And it's not fun, is it? Who here really likes to go through tests? Okay, we got a... I was going to say we got a few oddballs, and that included my son. So, you know, we already knew that. Well, one of the things when we are tested, when we are tempted in our sins, we have a tendency to say something, and Scripture is going to address this right now. God will not test men. Look what it says, James 1.13. And remember, when you are being tempted, tested, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone. God doesn't tempt you. He's not up there dangling some sin, saying, let's see if He takes this. Okay? That's not what God does. We think that. Do you know why we think that? Because that's what we would do. Let's see if we can get him to fall. Let's see if we can get him to sin. There was a... Don't do this, kids. Okay? Um, I had a, a, a teacher in high school who was a little OCD. And I didn't know what this meant. Back in 94, I think it was, OCD was really new. We, we didn't really understand what it was. And he had to have everything perfect. And I didn't know that. I'd go in and just kind of move a few things. And then I noticed... He would start teaching and be like, Ooh. and then he'd have to go fix things. So I tested him. I spun the globe, turned the handle on the pencil sharpener, moved all the chalk, made the aisles of the desk crooked and not parallel, and even moved the little papers on his desk just to see what would happen. He came in and he goes, so today we're going to, and he shook for a little bit. He had to spin the globe. Then he went over and spun the handle of the pencil sharpener three times and back one. Then he went and lined up all the chalk from biggest to shortest, went and adjusted everything on his desk, stood there, adjusted all the desks, and 15 minutes into the class, I was like, I know what I'm going to do the rest of the year. God wouldn't do that. Only fallen people do that, Okay. And so we cannot say, God is tempting, testing me on this. Even if you go back to Job, who did the testing on Job? It was Satan. Now, God allowed it, but God didn't orchestrate it. God didn't do it. So Jesus is being tempted by Satan. Could he have failed these tests? I'm getting mixed answers. I've got a couple no, I've got a couple yes, and I've got a couple a lot going. That's what you're up there to tell us. Could he have been failed the test? I wrestled with that this week. And, and I came up with, I don't think he could have failed. If he could have fallen, then he can't be my Savior. But he can't be my Savior unless he's willing to overcome the temptation, which means, yes, he could have fallen. Do you see the circular thing I went through? And add my drugs that I've been taking for pain on top of that. This is a very hard thing to come through. Could Jesus fail a test? Could Jesus tempt, be tempted while well, he was fully man, right? 
And mankind can be tempted, but he was fully God, and God cannot be tempted. And so he is this paradox here that we need to understand he is doing something not for himself, but for us. This tempting, this trial, is not from God. It is for God to come to us. Um, I, want, I will give in the temptation. I have been given into temptation this last week because I'm frustrated at being home and sitting in a recliner. And so I get a little agitated. And that shouldn't be what happens. If it is great enough and the pressure is maintained long enough, all of us will fall and fail and succumb to that temptation. But that didn't happen to Jesus. He never gave it in the temptation even though Satan tempted him far beyond anything we will experience. Let's look at this in Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Do you notice up there where it says tempted, there's a little a. Okay? When you see those little things in your Bible, you need to look down to the footnotes and see what those are for. See what it's referencing. This word translated tempted can't also be temp translated tested. This verse tells us several things. Who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit did. Okay, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And here he is going to be met by the devil. Satan is going to tempt him. And this temptation is not a surprise. Jesus knew it was coming. He planned to confront Satan, but notice it was not God who was doing it. God was leading him through the valley of the shadow of death so that he could come through on the other side. Let's go to verse 2. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's funny. Okay? Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, how many of you have ever fasted for a significant amount of time? Got a few, okay? If you have teenagers like I do, they can't fast more than 40 minutes before they're hungry. Okay? I, I have fasted for a week. Oh, that was, that was pretty tough. And then I was hungry. Forty days. And then he was hungry. Most That's just unbelievable. It, it's difficult for me to relate to the, the struggle of not eating that long that Jesus would have went through. I know after a week I felt weak. Because my body is, was eating up everything and, and I didn't have the energy I thought I should have. Forty days would have had ter terrible effects on his physical condition. He didn't have the advantages over you that and I. He didn't have this superhuman body that, well, he was impervious to this. The temptation here is to his flesh. Will he satisfy his hunger? It said that after 40 days, he was hungry. And Satan comes, if, if. You are the Son of God. Prove it. Turn this rock into bread. In verse 4, Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus' reply here is to quote Scripture. I would have said, Forget the bread. 
T-bone steak. Right? I, I would have done something more than that. Because I would have focused on my body. And yet, even after 40 days with his body craving and needing nourishment, Jesus turned not to his body, but reveals the truth of this temptation. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is showing that God shows His people that He will take care of them, that He'll provide for them, that they live not by food, but by Him. And Jesus is proving this at this temptation. If you are the Son of God, and Jesus responds to temptation by rejecting the physical and clinging to the spiritual. When you are tempted, when we are tempted by the physical, we need to turn and do what Jesus does and cling to the spiritual, the eternal. Let's go to verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written... He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Once again, Satan comes, if, if you are the Son of God. And Satan quotes Scripture. Does this shock you? Look what Satan quotes in Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. For He will give His angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. On their hands they will lift you up so you will not strike your foot against the stone. Satan quotes Scripture. He even knew that the Scripture applied to Jesus, which means something. Satan knows Scripture a whole lot better than you and I do. And we need to understand that. He quotes it. He knows it. He even knew that it referred to Jesus. The other thing we need to know here is that Satan doesn't quote it exactly. He, he twists it a little bit. He leaves out the phrase in all of your ways, in all of God's ways. Notice that. Um, can you back up one? Right there, right before verse 12. To protect you in all of your ways. And what is God's way? What is Jesus' way? To follow the footsteps of God. To follow God's plan, His will. But when Satan does it, he doesn't put that part in there. He leaves that out because that's the defining moment of this. So how would, how would Jesus respond? Now you could go um, to this trial in verse 7. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Don't put your Lord, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus takes the focus off this physical self and looks again at the spiritual. He refutes the same temptation twice. He repeats a pattern. And it's repeated. It's, it's important. Here Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6.16. And Jesus responds to temptation by clearly understanding the Scripture. Here is the hard one that I was really wrestling with. Because what I am saying here is if you want to face and win over temptation, you've got to understand Scripture. I don't always understand Scripture. So what does that mean? It means I better start studying it. 
and start filling my mind and my life with it more and more because otherwise I fail again and again. Can you imagine Satan at this point? He's been tempting people since the garden, and how often does he win? I'd say like 99% he's winning, and that one other time he, he doesn't win, he comes back and he gets them in, the, in overtime. Here he's getting upset. He has done this, and Jesus has beaten him both times. He's not winning this temptation, so now he ups the ante. Go to verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. He doesn't say if this time. I found that very interesting. He already knows that Jesus is going to refute this. If you're the son, I've already shown you I am. You already know that I am. You use scripture to show that you know I am. So he doesn't say it this time. Instead, Satan takes him and shows him all the nations of the world. When I grew up, I always thought that these temptations were just, you know, he's sitting on a rock in this little garden area and he showed him pictures or something. But it said he took him. He took him to the high place in the temple. They, like, teleported. And then they went over here on this high mountain and he's showing him all the kingdoms of the world. And wasn't just a snapshot of the current ones, or did it show the timeline of all the kingdoms throughout history? This was a psychological temptation that would appeal to a man's kind's lust for power. All these kingdoms will answer to you. Imagine having that power. Not just one kingdom, but all of these kingdoms. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Once again, Jesus quotes scripture. This time he quotes Deuteronomy 6.13 and also 10.20. He responds every time with scripture, and that should tell us something. There is a reason why so many of us have a hard time living the Christian life, and I think it's because we are so ignorant of God's Word. We don't know it so well that it can come to mind that the Holy Spirit can tap our brains and say, remember when you read this, because we're not reading it enough. The answers to all of life's problems are in that book. I truly believe that. I also fail to live that. We need to read it. We need to be able to quote this verse. Look what Jesus, Jesus responds to temptation by the authority of God's Word. Get away from me, Satan, because God said this. He didn't say, get away from me. I, I'm bigger than you. He used the authority of God's Word. He answered every one of these temptations from the Word of God. And the devil seemed to think that these were good enough answers because he didn't argue he left. Verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Now, real quick, I want to hit something here. This testing reveals a few things. First and foremost, Satan is a real being. I have an older book. It was written in the 70s, and it says, Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. And you read it, it'll scare you. And it's very accurate about what happens here on this Earth. 
Jesus addressed Satan as a real being. He is not some negative thought. He isn't just this idea of the evil. He is real. He is real. Jesus is not an, or Satan is not an influence as some people believe. He is very real. Secondly, this testing reveals that the devil, Satan, is very subtle. If you're the Son of God. He, he was trying to get Jesus away from the main temptation and focus on something else. Turn the stone into bread would be a good thing. That would be an amazing thing. And, and later on, Jesus would turn loaves into more loaves and fish into more fish. The temptation for Jesus was to get him to do it for himself. To satisfy self. Third thing this temptation reveals is how to battle temptation. Every time Jesus answered Satan, he used the Word of God, which means in order for us to... And I've heard this sermon several times, and this is always one of the points. The only way to truly battle temptation is through the Word of God. And as I was writing this, I'm like, why do I have to say this again? You all have heard it. Why do I need to read it again? Well, it's repeated. It's important. And maybe it's because we fail so often, I fail so often, that I need to keep reminding myself. The devil wanted to make Jesus a great religious leader. To do it by missing the cross and just become the leader of all these kingdoms. He would have Jesus present his credentials through spectacular miracles and rather than offering his credentials in the manner that God prescribed. The devil knew the scripture, quoted the scripture, even though he misquoted it. And because of that, we can know Jesus, um, Satan is a liar. He's going to twist to fit it to fulfill his purpose. It is important that we check every single word that is preached, that is claimed to be the word of God with the actual truth, with the Bible. And that includes what I teach and preach. That includes anything that is in our Sunday school classes. Anything that is says is coming from the Word of God, don't just say, okay. You look it up. You test it. You look and see, yep, they're preaching the right thing. And if you don't agree with it, you know what you do? Come talk to the person. If you disagree with something I say, come talk to me. Let me explain it, and maybe I didn't say it clearly. Maybe there was a translation differences in how we communicate. I had one sermon that I called um, blunt. You need to be blunt as a Christian. That's what I said. This lady did not like that. Because in her mind, blunt was slapping someone in the face. And all I was trying to say was, you need to be clear. Here's what the Scripture says. This is what I live on. Not brash and kicking people. I don't want to do that. And so her and I had to have a talk, and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, I totally agree with what you say. Oh, great. So we need to communicate that and go back to the Word of God because we don't stand here on the fellowship of us. We don't stand here on the fellowship of we like each other. We stand here on the foundation of Jesus. And we need to go back to Jesus to make sure He's pulling us together and Satan is not dividing us. And so that's why we go back to the Word of God. If it's in the Bible, it's real. If it's not, hey, we have opinions. And that's fine. And if I don't like your opinion, it doesn't mean hate. It just means I don't like that. But when it comes to Scripture, 
We're going to stand together. Whether you drive a Ford or a Chevy, I don't care. We're going to stand together on Jesus. Let me get back to the sermon. Okay. Um, what slide are we on? Go to the next one. That's it. It is only through knowing the Word of God that we can combat temptation. And I put it, we. I want to make sure we see this as plural. I am going to fail temptation when I stand against Satan on my own. But when I stand with Jesus in His Word, on the authority of Scripture, then I can win over these temptations. And how much more so when I stand with other brothers and sisters in Christ. When I sit there and say, hey, I'm struggling on this. Can you pray for me? And I actually open myself up and let you guys start praying for me. You know what that does? That elevates Christ. And that throws Satan into the uh, loser bracket again. Another thing that is interesting about this temptation that uh, Satan offered Jesus, he said, I offer you all the kingdoms of the world. Now, does Satan own these kingdoms? So I started looking into that. Did Satan really own these kingdoms that he showed to Jesus? And I came up with, I think he does. Because Jesus didn't say, you can't offer me what you don't own. Satan is in control of this earth. Because this earth is full of sin and brokenness. And if you don't think Satan is in control of this earth, you're not looking at where society is going today. Satan is the driving force. These evils that are now being proclaimed as good. Satan is behind the confusion and the turmoil of this world. He is the enemy of God. And Satan said, I will give you all of these if you fall down and worship me. I, who own these, will give them to you. And Jesus said, that's not what I want. I don't want kingdoms. Because I already have a kingdom. I don't want temporary on the earth because I have eternity in heaven. I don't want kingdoms. I want people. I want people to live in my kingdom. Notice Satan's looking at all of us as possessions. And Jesus is looking at they're the prize. They're the pinnacle. Finally, we see Satan leads Jesus But if you read in Luke, we'll find it's only for a season. Satan is always there. Growing up, I thought, well, he left him, and then he didn't come back until the cross. But I don't believe that Satan left Jesus alone very long. I think he was constantly doing that. You look in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, he says, pray with me. He tells his best friends, pray with me. And he comes over here and prays. He comes back, and they're sleeping. Can't you even stay awake and pray? Satan is tempting them. And getting them to fall. Satan is always there. Turning to Mark, you can see another aspect of this same trial. Now, Mark 1, verses 12 and 13. The Spirit immediately drove him out to the wilderness. Led, got him there. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now, drove is very strong. And you see, it, the Spirit drove him. Kind of seems forceful. But if you remember, Jesus is always going to submit to God's will. And so the Spirit is saying, hey, we're going over here. And and Jesus is basically saying, you got the will. Go ahead. Let's go. He knew it was God's plan. Satan may have thought he was forcing the issue, but the power and authority of Christ would prevail, just like it did every other time. 
the temptation was too great for Adam in the garden. Adam and Eve, we all like to blame Eve, guys. We know this. You know, she sinned first. But where was he? He was right next to her. And here's the really funny thing, ironically funny. Satan is tempting Eve, and he's standing there. He's like, yeah, go ahead, take a bite. See what happens. He was the coward in this. He got her to eat it. And then she said, here, and he's like, okay. What a great leader. Adam failed. Noah failed. He built the ark, didn't he? He obeyed God. And then he gets drunk after the, the waters are gone. And he fails God again. Abraham failed. He lies. Moses failed. He led the nation of Israel through the wilderness but couldn't enter the promised land because he failed God. David failed. We saw that last year. David failed even though he was a man after God's own heart. All these people fail in the temptations, in the trials that Satan puts on him. And then Jesus steps into the scene and he says, this is how my people will live. And it is not based on them. It's going to be based on me. And he does not fail. How long was he tempted? I grew up thinking he was tempted three times. But if you look at Mark there, it says he was tempted for 40 days. And the Greek there, I got to look it up, and it meant he was constantly being tempted. We just have a record of three. Can you imagine being hungry for 40 days and also being attacked by Satan the entire time? He was tempted there, and yet he still didn't fail. When you look at the Gospel of Luke, we see the same events which shows the temptation is important, and we need to learn from this. Jesus was tested. He was tempted. They're the same types of temptations that can come to all of us. We get tempted to satisfy the flesh. We get tempted to try and make ourselves elevated over others. We get tempted to try and have power over other people. And at this time, Jesus was in need of food. His mind, his body desired it. But he wanted to cling to the Word of God only to satisfy the needs of his, of his soul, his relationship with God. What we have today is a society that says, eat, drink, and marry, for tomorrow we die. Do what you want. Have fun while you can. After all, there's nothing else, and God is not giving into that temptation or that uh, philosophy of the world, and He is calling us to do the same. Satan tempted Jesus to throw himself from the temple, and wouldn't that be a great thing? He steps off the temple, and the angels come, and everybody sees He's the Messiah. Now I can worship Him, and we can follow Him, except their sins wouldn't have been paid for, and it wasn't God's plan. Jesus did not choose to take the easy way to the throne, He chose the way of the cross the hard way to make sure you and I could get to heaven. Satan offers Jesus the nation of the world. Nations derive their power through brute force and political intrigue. They're founded on war. They operate through corruption and fear and make people dependent upon the governments. This is a satanic type of kingdom. But the kingdom of God is different. It requires that a man change, be born again, before they can enter it. Jesus answers Satan by bringing the focus back to God.
God and His kingdom. Luke 4, verses 1 and 2. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. What was He full of? The Holy Spirit. Where for 40 days He was tempted by the devil, He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, He was hungry. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had taken on our humanity. He needed the Holy Spirit to face these temptations. We need the Holy Spirit then. If Jesus needs the Holy Spirit to face these temptations, don't you think you and I do? I know I do. Paul would write some of the something like this in Romans uh, seven twenty one. I've discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I know what I want to do is right, and yet I jump over here and do the wrong thing. Paul, the superhero of the Christian faith, kept failing. He needed more and more of the Holy Spirit. That's true in my life. I know it's true in yours. Paul also says in Galatians 5.16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives just like it drove and led Jesus. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You won't fall and cater to those temptations because you are being led and driven by the Holy Spirit. We are told that before the testing, Jesus was led by that. So why was Jesus tempted? It was to demonstrate that we have a sinless Savior. He proved that all the power had been given to Him. Satan did not have anything to offer Him. There is a man in heaven today who experienced all the hardships of life, the aspects of this life, so that he could ultimately be our true advocate. As 1 John 2 says, My dear children, I am writing to this, writing this to you so that you will not sin, will not fall into the temptation. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads the case before the Father. We have someone in heaven who says, Hey God, I've been there. I understand the hardships of that, and I paid for it. I took it. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. We can depend on Jesus. He shows the way to victory. I got to go to um, Woodburn Christian Children's Home at their unveiling. Uh, their new building, and it was just an amazing event. And one of the things they said they are doing, this is a one of their core thoughts and their things they want to do is, we are not raising victims, we are raising overcomers. We live in a world today that is lifting up and idolizing victimhood. That I'm a victim of this, oh, we're going to clap for you. We are a victim of this, oh, we're going to have... No. Satan wants us to be victims because then we fall under him. Jesus wants us to be overcomers to stand upon his word. And as Woodburn is doing that, I'm like, that's what we need to do. Why did Jesus not become a victim of temptation? Because he is leading people to become overcomers of this world. So we can stand and live in eternity. I'm a victim of a surgery. It happened. But I am not bound by this. This is not going to limit me very long. I have had bad things happen to me in my life. Some of my choice and some not. But they do not define me. These trials and temptations of Jesus didn't define him.
His victory in God did. So we need to choose the same thing. Are you going to let your temptations, your trials define you? Are you going to play the victim card? Are you going to stand upon the principles and the power of the Word of God and say, this world I have overcome through Jesus? It's your choice. I know what I want us to choose. Us. And just as I wouldn't want to hold you accountable to it, I need you to hold me to that. To be overcomers. To be victors in Christ. Not enticed by the sins of this world anymore. Let's stand and we're going to sing after we pray. And if you'd like to make a decision where you need to help or you want some support, would you come and talk to us? Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, I thank you so much that you are a God who took on the full nature of man. That you endured these trials, these testings, these temptations to show that in you I can have that same victory. And God, please forgive us. And thank you for forgiving us when we fail that. Bring us back onto that solid ground of you, of your word. Restore that into our hearts. And God, I just really ask that you would challenge and uplift this church to become that place that not only stands on the Word of God, but that takes the Word of God to the forefront of the battle against Satan. That we would stand against him with your Word, by the authority of your Word, understanding your Word, and rejecting the physical cravings. Help us with that, God. So that one day in heaven we can all join together for eternity, praising you for all that you have done. But until then, keep us in the move, on the move, getting going with our faith. With that, we praise you in your name. Amen.